Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for December the 30th of 2019. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news from around the industry five days a week, Monday through Friday, right here on YouTube and podcast services around the world. So if you enjoy the show, you like what you see, hit that subscribe button and keep coming back for more every single weekday. Now, the show itself has been on a bit of a hiatus, a holiday holiday, if you will. Because, of course, we had Christmas and then a lot of people were off, so there simply wasn't any news for me to talk about, so I can't really do a show without having some kind of topic. Uh, yeah, but it was a good time to spend some time with family, to take some time off and not get up at the crack of dawn, uh, to talk into this mic and cut a podcast for you fine people to enjoy throughout your days. But hey, we're back in the saddle. We've got news to talk about. All is right in the world. And we do have some pretty big news to cover today because it looks like a PlayStation 5 reveal could come as soon as next week if you want to read into what Sony is saying about the Consumer Electronics Show 2020. Wow, that would be a shocker. Instead of E3, the Consumer Electronics Show could once again be the home to a giant console reveal. Then, developers are telling PlayStation that they have never worked on hardware as easy to develop as the PlayStation 5. Now, this is a follow-up story from something we talked about a couple of months back, but now this is coming from Shuhei Yoshida, somebody who has a lot of uh, pull in the world of development over a PlayStation. Then, Sony patents PlayStation controller design with a brand new feature. You might have heard of it. It's called a back button. That's right, the attachment could be baked right into the next DualShock. Then, Cornicop, I believe I said that correctly, is the latest top streamer to jump to Facebook gaming. We will talk more about the streaming wars and what that could mean going forward into 2020 as more and more people are jumping into the content creation space. And finally, The Witcher 3 continues to rise in popularity, now surpassing its original launch. That's right, it's more popular now than at launch on the gaming platform. But that is our lineup for today's show, and as always, I hope you enjoy what I bring to the table. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's top stories. First off, did Sony just tease the PlayStation 5 reveal at its CES 2020 press conference next week? Hmm, this is a tricky one, they say at Push Square. Sony's website has been updated with a teaser for its CES 2020 press conference, which is taking place on Monday, the 6th of January, 2020. The website reads, quote, the future is coming. Very ominous. Of course, it's difficult not to immediately think of the PlayStation 5's big reveal, which has long been rumored to be an early 2020 event. An unveiling of the next-gen console at CES 2020 certainly seems possible, but it is actually maybe not happening. Here's the thing. CES, or the Consumer Electronics Show, is a long-running event where Sony usually flaunts its non-PlayStation products. Traditionally, the company holds a relatively short press conference that covers the firm's electronics, things like televisions and phones, along with the occasional prototype technology that's being worked on behind closed doors. Again, traditionally, Sony CES showings have little to do with PlayStation, but with the PS5 on the horizon, this year could be different, and yes, the press conference will be live-streamed. It begins at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the 6th of January, that's 1 a.m. UK time on the 7th of January. So could this be the big PlayStation 5 reveal? They are not totally convinced over at Push Square and neither am I. But I bring this up and I make this the headline of today's show mainly because we saw what happened with the Game Awards. I have never in my life been expecting a console reveal less 
than whenever I was watching the Game Awards. Who would have thought that the Xbox Series X would get its giant debut on that specific stage? Because traditionally, it's always been sometime around E3 or at some kind of big industry event at which you see these giant console reveals. Now, for those that don't know the history of the um, Electronic Entertainment Expo, E3, it kind of originated at the Consumer Electronics Show. It was always a subset, and then it got big enough to where it broke off to its own kind of conference series. But now... With E3 being in the situation that it is, it simply is kind of a time to move on for a lot of companies, with some not even attending, such as PlayStation last year. Uh, so a Consumer Electronics Show debut is not necessarily out of the question, but for me, my personal prediction is that the PlayStation 5 reveal, the full reveal, is going to come in the form of some kind of PlayStation-centric event uh, that is held within about a week of its announcement, something along those lines. I'm predicting something towards the end of February, maybe the beginning of March. Uh, that just simply makes sense to me, but it could be as late as the time around E3. In fact, I wouldn't say that it could be at E3, uh, but you could be seeing some kind of event held parallel to the giant industry uh, summit. But if these rumors are to be believed, you could be seeing something as early as next week at the Consumer Electronics Show. So I want to clue you guys in on that, and again, if you do want to watch that press conference, it is going to be streaming live on the 6th of January, 2020 at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time, 1 a.m. UK time. However, Shuhei Yoshida says developers say they have never worked on hardware as easy to develop as the next PlayStation. The latest issue of Dengeki PlayStation Magazine, Volume 683, included an interview with Sony Interactive Entertainment Worldwide Studios President Shuhei Yoshida. He spoke about Sony's PlayStation 5, which is launching on the holidays of 2020, and how easy it is to make games for it. In the interview, Shuhei Yoshida explained how PlayStation 3 was by far the hardest console to develop on in Sony history, and how PlayStation 4 was specifically made to avoid repeating this mistake. Yoshida added that developers cannot focus on making their games if they need to focus on overwhelmingly difficult and inherent difficulty of developing on complicated hardware. As such, Sony is striving to make it easy as possible to develop on PlayStation hardware. Yoshida said that's what the company had in mind when making the PS4, and that's what they have in mind for the PlayStation 5. Yoshida also mentioned that many developers are telling Sony they have never worked on a console that's easy to develop as a PlayStation 5. We already saw in the past what is supposedly a PlayStation 5 dev kit, and needless to say, while some won't explicitly say it, all of the biggest studios in the world are undoubtedly already working on PS5 games. Certain games have already been announced, such as Gearbox's Godfall. It's also possible that acquires a new game, Gladix. Gladiax? I've never heard of that. We'll launch alongside the PlayStation 5 and PC. Back in October, Sony also reported via Famitsu that the backwards compatibility feature on PS5 is not quite ready yet. Fake information regarding PS5's price and release dates circulated a lot on the Japanese sides of social media a few days ago before being officially denied by Sony. Dengeki PlayStation is a monthly PlayStation magazine published by Dengeki Online. The magazine focuses exclusively on PlayStation consoles released games. Another magazine focusing on Nintendo titled Deck. Why are we talking about this? I don't need to know about their entire magazine lineup. Uh, anyways, moving on to the topic at hand here. Developers tell us they've never worked on hardware as easy to develop on as the PlayStation 5. That... That's a big statement right there. Uh, and I will say that I think that the ease of development is certainly going to make the 
potential for the console greater than ever because of the fact that developers are more willing to work on stuff that's easier to work on. That's just common sense. Now that's not to say that a difficult console to develop for is going to be left out in the cold. Look at what happened with the PlayStation 3. It held up very well and had a huge resurgence towards the end of its life cycle, even though the Xbox 360 dominated because of how many people were actually developing on that specific console. In fact, it's also worth mentioning that a lot of the indies we have today originated in stuff like the Summer of Arcade, a traditionally Xbox-centric kind of event uh, where tons and tons of indie games were released on the Xbox 360. It was a very easy console to develop for, very accessible, and so I think that might be what they're trying to do with the PlayStation 5 here. Now, rumors have been circulating that the Xbox Series X is going to be more powerful than the PlayStation 5. Now, we don't have official specs of the PlayStation 5, at least finalized specs, uh, but according to rumors around the industry, Xbox could have a leg up. Now, we'll see if that is the case. Uh, but if that is the case, I suppose we'll have to see what happens with the exclusives that PlayStation 5 brings to the table. Now, it's worth noting right now that the Xbox Series X is the most powerful console on the market, but the PlayStation 4 still dominates because, again... Or excuse me, I think I said Series X. The Xbox One X is the most powerful console on the market. The PlayStation 4, however, is not but it still dominates because of the games that are available on it. It doesn't matter how powerful of hardware you've got, if it doesn't have the software to back up that hardware, if it doesn't have the experiences to make that hardware worthwhile, then there really is no reason to have any kind of competition at all. I mean, with the PlayStation 4, you've got God of War, which is the standout pinnacle of this generation in my mind, running on a console that is less powerful than the Xbox One X. It is what it is. It's just very well optimized and a fantastic, phenomenal game. Uh, but I digress. Developers are having a good time working on Sony's next big console and good on them because uh, it looks like it's a pretty good piece of hardware to be working on. Hopefully it looks better in the final product, though. That thing is ugly as sin. Uh, but speaking of ugly, the new PlayStation controller design supposedly has a brand new feature. Just kidding, it's not that ugly. Sony received patent approval for a new PlayStation DualShock controller earlier this week. The patent was discovered on the World Intellectual Property Organization database and features at least one visibly identifiable new feature. As reported by Polygon, the patent for the new DualShock was approved on December the 26th. The front of the controller is similar to the existing PlayStation 4 DualShock, but it also differs from the new PlayStation controller patent that was uncovered in November. For example, there is no home button on the new patent. But the biggest change can be seen on the back of the controller. The new design adds two back triggers to the controller. Unlike the new accessory that adds back triggers to existing PlayStation controllers, these seem to be built into the controller itself. And so you have it, three images here showing off, for some reason tilted to the side, uh, exactly what you can be getting. So this is a PlayStation DualShock controller right here with the uh, baked in back buttons on either side where you would normally find your fingers resting. Uh, and from the side you can see the internals there, but overwhelmingly looks like a DualShock from the top that is pretty much run of the mill. It's unknown what the patent is for specifically. While there is a chance this design could be intended for the PlayStation 5, there is an equal chance that this design is meant for other products like the existing PlayStation consoles. Furthermore, companies regularly request patents for designs that end up never being used. All we know for sure is that Sony is currently working on the designs for the next-gen PlayStation 5, but for more, you can check out the PS5 and Xbox Series X comparison over there at IGN if you did want to dive into more of their next-gen content. So this is an interesting one, because I believe this could be the Pro Controller. 
Now this is something that has been long requested, of course on the Xbox side of things you have the Xbox Elite Controller series, you have the Series 1 and Series 2 uh, that pretty much take your gameplay to the next level. There are interchangeable triggers, uh, you can add different kinds of uh, accessories and whatnot, change out the D-pad, etc. But it's very expensive, very pricey. This looks to be something that could be, if the regular PlayStation controller is 60, you could be looking at paying between 80 and 100 for this, and it could be where you have an extra set of back triggers built into the DualShock itself. Now the question for me is, if this thing is in fact coming out, will it be backwards compatible with the PlayStation 4, or is this going to be a PlayStation 5 exclusive controller? Because as we know, with Xbox, they are making all of the controllers that are available right now for the Xbox One backwards compatible with the Xbox Series X and hypothetically the Series S if rumors are to be believed. And so, if that is the case, will Sony compete in the way that they should and make this thing, whatever it may be, backwards compatible with this generation? Probably not, but it's worth considering. Now, it is also very interesting to see that this is coming out alongside the new attachment. This is leading a lot of people to speculate that the next generation of consoles could in fact have some kind of built-in back trigger system for the DualShock uh, for the PlayStation 5 that makes them required for a lot of games. So with this new $30 attachment that Sony is putting out, it could actually uh, modernize the DualShock 4 and kind of give people a buffer whenever games are coming out that are cross-generational, but they don't have the right buttons on the DualShock 4. So that's something to take into consideration as well. Uh, ultimately, we are not going to know for sure until the release of the PlayStation 5 and the full debut of the controller proper, uh, but it is very interesting to see these patents being filed. And again, I'm not a big fan of having the, uh, the extra buttons necessarily. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying they're good. I'm just used to playing the way that I'm playing with a regular DualShock. That's just me. But I would totally be down to try it if it was baked into the next DualShock. And who knows, maybe if my controller breaks or upgrade, we could be buying one of these babies with the extra couple of buttons on it. But if you're a pro gamer, you need as many buttons as you can get to slay the noobs for the people on the Facebook gaming. At least that's what Corinna Kopp is dealing with right now, I would assume. Uh, but she is the latest top streamer to jump to Facebook gaming. Facebook still is not done with snapping up big name Twitch streamers. Corinna Kopp, who is known for her YouTube presence, is switching to Facebook gaming for live streams. Her first stream on the service will take place December the 30th at 7pm Eastern. She explained the move as expanding her gaming career and saw Facebook as a place that empowers both her as a woman gamer and her community. Facebook is providing the support and tools to make the growth happen, she said. While the specific terms of the deal were not available, Kopp indicated that she would create content for other platforms in addition to streaming on Facebook. In other words, it's like other deals that leave streamers free to post YouTube videos and otherwise control the rest of their fate. It is not surprising that Facebook would recruit Kopp when she has nearly 2.8 million followers on Twitch. Oh my god, I've never heard of her. And over 1.6 million subscribers on YouTube. How am I this out of the loop? The social network's share of live streaming is still small but growing rapidly. It jumped from just 1% of viewing hours in 2018 to 3 3% in 2019, according to a Stream Elements report, COP could help Facebook keep that momentum. The company might not have as much choice as it is. There is a free-for-all as streaming services promise more money and flexibility to streamers like Ninja, Ewok, and Courage, and Twitch itself is spending big bucks to hold on to streamers like Dr. Lupo and Tim the Tapman. If Facebook didn't court stars like COP, it risked watching them drift to rivals. 
And so it continues to heat up. Very interesting times to be into the streaming space. Now, personally, I've never heard of Kornikov. I'm sorry, I'm really out of the loop on this one. But Facebook gaming is continuing to blow up and it is continuing to become a viable place for people to stream their games and to create content. I think there is a big potential for it. And I talk about this every time I have the opportunity because it seems like people forget that the users of Facebook, they're in a bubble. They don't go outside of the Facebook ecosystem if they do not have to. For their news, there is a news tab to sell things like on Craigslist. There is Marketplace. For a Twitch-like service, there is, of course, Facebook Gaming. For a YouTube-like service, there is Watch. There is plenty of content developed right on the Facebook website. And on top of that, your friends, your family, new communities, they're all there in one central location. And so for Facebook to develop Facebook Gaming, it's essentially making some Something that is going to cater to this specific audience. And the best way I've ever heard this said is that if you think about it, you don't have to dominate the competition. You don't have to have 77% of market share or whatever Twitch has right now in the live streaming space to be successful. You simply have to have enough people using the service and generating enough revenue to keep it afloat. That's the overall goal here. Now, of course, the bigger the market share and the overall you know, skew of things, the better. But at the same time, you don't have to have that to be considered a success. And I think that the uh, percentage growth that Facebook has seen over the course of the past few years with Facebook gaming is is still very, very impressive to say the least. And Cornicop is just the next streamer to jump and become a big part of what Facebook gaming has to offer. And I will say, there are some pretty good creators over there. I find myself logging into Facebook to watch Facebook gaming from time to time because I love Darkness429. Uh, Pool Shark is fantastic. Doom49, I believe is what his name is. Uh, Mugs TV. Plenty of good content creators over there. And people write off Facebook as something that shouldn't be worried about, shouldn't be watched, etc. And I totally understand it. Facebook's made some big mistakes in the past with their data and whatnot, uh, but it is worth noting. A lot of people are jumping ship and going over to the world of Facebook gaming. But they could be playing The Witcher 3. In fact, a couple of people are on Facebook gaming. Tons of people are on Twitch. And if you are playing on Steam, you are one, creating a brand new record of more people playing The Witcher 3 on Steam than ever before. The Witcher 3 was a popular game when it came out back in 2015, but the recent release of the Netflix show had a lead had led, has led, there we go, to a huge surge in popularity for the Polish RPG. And it just set a new active player count record on Steam today with over 93,000 players. The news of this huge number of players came from the global community lead over at CD Projekt Red, developers of the Witcher games. He posted on Twitter a screenshot showing at the time 93,835 players all playing the game on Steam. Getting 90k or more players on Steam to all play your game at the same time is impressive, but what makes this even more impressive is that it's happening over four years after the game was created. But this is not a random coincidence. The Netflix show has found a large audience and many love Henry Cavill as Geralt. Also helping increase the player count is the fact that The Witcher 3 is currently on sale on Steam, so a bunch of folks might have just finished up the show and decided to buy the game to keep experiencing the adventures of Geralt. Looking at Steam charts, it appears even more people logged on and started playing The Witcher 3 after the screenshot was taken. The current peak at the time of writing shows over 94,000 players. Also, as I write this, the game is the seventh most played game on all of Steam. It's not just The Witcher 3 that is getting a boost in popularity. Older Witcher games are seeing more players too. The original game set a new record on Steam with over 12,000 players active and The Witcher 2 also has a healthy 6,000 players on Steam currently playing it. It seems the world has caught Witcher fever and luckily for fans of Geralt, more Witcher is coming.
Netflix already confirmed a second season of the show is coming, and who knows, maybe one day we will get a fourth Witcher game. It could happen. I would say it will happen. Guaranteed. Why would they not make a new Witcher game? Uh, but until then, you can just keep playing The Witcher 3. I hear it's a pretty good game, says the author of Kotaku. And boy, is it. Uh, in fact, I'm thinking about diving back into it. And currently, it is included with Xbox Game Pass, the complete edition with all the DLC, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of content, I say, as I look at a giant stack of brand new games that I need to play. Uh, but truly... Impressive figures to say the least and the Netflix show is very very well done. I'm a big fan of it I've been diving into it. I believe I'm on episode 5 uh, Which is unheard of for me because traditionally I simply don't watch I, I don't I don't do Netflix very often uh, But this is one that has really grabbed me certainly one that I'm going to finish all the way through uh, But to see the Witcher 3 getting the recognition it deserves yet again is something that makes everybody Universally happy because CD Projekt Red does their fans, right? Uh, they are in general a very morally upright company Which I think adds to their overall aesthetic their overall appearance in the grand scheme of things and for them to have a game like this That is continuing to see giant success I simply say that it fits, and it fits very, very well. But congrats to them, and again, you can dive in right now because the game is on sale uh, because of the winter Steam sale if you did want to dive in, and I believe it's probably on sale on the PlayStation and Xbox stores as well because some massive sales are going on right now to celebrate the holidays. But dive in if you have not had the opportunity to do so. Again, one of the biggest games of the decade, I would say, and certainly one of the biggest games of this entire console generation. But with that being said, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed this one, be sure to drop me a like down below. And of course, let me know what caught your eye on today's show. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's stories. But as always, thank you so much for watching today's show. I will be back tomorrow for a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report for New Year's Eve. 2019 as we kiss it goodbye and say hello to 2020. But until then, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon and peace.